This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling it, Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging it, Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Federico stolen from Reinhardt, breaking in. The Hunter, Hunter shooting, rebound. Terjana Hall looking for 500. He shoots. He scores. Brad Hall, number 500. Oh, unbelievable oh, save by Jake Allen. Tarasenko in the clear. He scores. And now here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, Blues fans, and welcome to this Thursday morning edition of the Blues NHL Podcast. I'm your off-ice official. It is time to welcome in the the two real stars of the show, as uh, all of you out there have made it known that you want to hear from them today after uh, after a big day in actually Blues history, as it'll always turn out when something like this happens. My co-host, Jamie Rivers and Darren Kimball. What's going on, fellas? Hey, good to be back in the studio with Kimby. At least I can defend myself today. Last time, you know, last Thursday we let him run wild here. I had no rebuttal for him. Well, I had to. The, the wall is back up between you two <laughs> to keep you separate. No, um, he came well, in and I saw his shadow. So six more days or six, six more weeks for Christmas. Six more weeks or from winter. Ton- winter. Yeah. See, Hawks a ton see what Jamie. I'm dealing with. Yeah, Hawks a ton of ribs. <laughs> ribs come in here this morning. He got me rattled already. He's got you. He does. He was oh, sending. You guys out there in uh, Blues Land don't know that this Jamie doesn't sleep. It's a well-known fact and. He likes to have a little fun with us when he's driving in from the back 40 here to the studio. <laughs> I can always tell when he started his venture because the uh, – now, we're not condoning texting and driving, mind you. I'm sure these are saved and sent already, and it is a, a, an absolute hoot. But, gentlemen, uh, Blues fans have spoken, and they want to hear your take on what happened yesterday. Obviously, in my opinion, always an unfortunate thing. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know – the right answer here did it need to happen did it matter will it matter i don't know the answers of those questions it is an unfortunate thing no matter how you look at it but obviously we're talking about the blues letting go of uh of their coach ken hitchcock and everybody wants to know your thoughts well first of all uh it needed to happen i mean you know you're looking at efforts lately that i don't want to say they're lackluster because you know you do have guys pulling the rope in the right direction but if you watch the games closely, the last handful of games, uh, you know, five, six, seven games, the attention to detail with and without the puck has started to slip or had started to slip. And you could tell that guys, you know, not that there was no repercussions because we know very well that Hitch is hard on the players. And there's no way it went unnoticed. He's, he's a, one of the guys that's the most detailed coaches I've ever seen. But these guys started to, whatever the reason – I don't say get off the program, but it just became easier to do what they wanted rather than what they were supposed to do. And so I think it needed to happen. The unfortunate part of it is is you end up losing the fourth winningest coach in NHL history and a guy that I can tell you personally taught me so much about how to analyze a hockey game uh, and I had the pleasure and the privilege of working with him and alongside him starting the lockout year the most recent lockout year and ever since then and anytime I've ever gone to Ken Hitchcock he's had great words of wisdom and little tips and little advice that's helped me along the way that quite honestly it's made me a much better hockey coach hockey guy hockey skills guy just the amount of detail that he you know that he makes it uh, necessary to have day in day out so it's a tough spot for the blues the coach in waiting which we'll that's we'll probably discuss here in a little bit uh is here so it's not like they're bringing in a, a foreign entity by any means but uh, as you know kimby it's it's always a different feel a different look everything that goes along with it the day after a coach is fired and certainly the game the next game so i think and you know what Riz, you uh, 
and, I, and I'm not going to sit here and bash Hitch because the guy's going into the Hall of Fame. He's accomplished. He's won a Stanley Cup. Um, he's won wherever he's been. Uh, the thing with Hitch, and I think what if you go back and look at what he's done in his career, he sort of only has like a five or six year travel span in that place, and then uh, his message sort of starts to fall on people, and then they they start tuning him out and. I believe, uh, no, I don't believe, I know that's what happened here. And you, you could tell, like you said, the last five, six games, uh, guys were just on a different page. Because I, uh, I could probably went out and, and taught a 10-year-old kid how to do some of these defensive schemes, and the guys just weren't doing them. So they were going on their own little journey um, and, and playing it. And, you, you know, I, you've been around the game a long time, Rivs. I've been around the game a long time. You can tell when someone's quitting on their coach, and, and that's what they had done. And uh, and I think it starts at the top of the leadership in your locker room. Um, I think there's some guys now. The only thing, the, the, the good thing about this is, and you've seen it happen with the Islanders here lately because they did the same thing. They got rid of their coach and brought in a new coach, and they started winning hockey games. So there could be a plus side to this thing because they're you're, you're going to bring in a coach. He was here. It's a little different situation. He was here. Well, he no, the Islander guy was there too. So he's here. He's got a different message. Maybe he's got different line combinations, but – when you do this at this point in time, the one thing that Army can say now, now that he's made this move, he can say, now it's on you guys. Because he says, you guys have, by the way you've been playing, and, and he basically he called them out, Army did, on the, the little thing for a little, for a little bit. But the one thing he did say was he had heard him to fire his coach, but now these guys have to answer that bell. And so Yo's got to sort of just send them out there and say, here, here's what you got. This is what you wanted. And that's, really, that's what they wanted. And uh, no one can even argue that because the way they've been playing. So now they got to man up and answer the bell. Well, you're right. And uh, that's usually what happens, as you know, especially in a GM situation when even GMs have a shelf life. And if they don't make the moves that are necessary to keep their team moving forward, then they're the ones who find themselves on the chopping block. So, uh, you know, I can say this and, and kind of just to expand on, on some of the things you brought up, Kimby, was that Hitch doesn't know any other way to do things except full bore like he's a hundred percent in on anything hockey and quite honestly if the man could live at the rink he would and he watches games four or five six times before the next day even comes around so you talk about a guy who doesn't sleep hitch is a guy that'll watch games and try to fix things and his passion for coaching or his attention to detail it does wear on players over the course of a long season, especially over a span of five years for guys who have been here the entire time or even a long, t- a long period of time. And so every day he, you know, he finds the negatives, the negatives. It's not that he's a negative guy, but as a coach you have to find your problems and you got to try and solve them. And so when he's on you every day, every day, every day, you do start to get mentally exhausted from it. And he does have a four- or five-year shelf life. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. And whether the modern day player might be a little more sensitive than years past or back in the day, back in the day when you played and I played, uh, I don't know. But it comes into it comes into play here. And so now the players, like you said, Army's put it on the players to step up now. And now with Mike Yo, who I can tell you, I've known him since I was 16 years old. He's a very serious guy too. He's an intense guy. So you're not going to have that much of a drop-off in the message overall, what you're trying to send. But I think I think Mike has learned a little bit since he's been here and since his, his firing in Minnesota that you can't always just be the hard-ass. And I think you're going to see a little bit of a, uh, a lightened-up atmosphere around the room just a bit when it comes to certain things. And, you know, now adding Steve Thomas to be a full-time guy for the forwards it's just going to have a little bit of a different vibe, and that might take them you know, over the hump here to get into the playoffs or solidify a playoff spot and, and turn their season you know, right side up again. You know, uh, the fans want to know. like the Fans want answers. Like when things aren't going so well, fans want answers. When things are going well, they just ride the wave, right? I mean, like last year, that great run through the playoffs, everybody was enjoying it. It was intense. But when things don't go well, especially on a follow-up, fans want answers. So one of the things that seems to be pretty popular on social media right now is everybody feels like maybe this was set up to fail because Yo was there. Now, I don't, I can't believe that, I, I don't want to believe that this thing happened without everybody being on board of, hey, look, you've said it's your last year. We got an opportunity to get a guy. 
everybody's on the same page, probably a lot of respect there, immense amount of respect, things like that. But is it not realistic to think that maybe everybody was looking over their shoulder? I agree, and we've talked about that on previous shows on here, that it was kind of a goofy situation. You bring a guy in and uh, hitches on his sort of his farewell tour. Um, you're a player sitting in the locker room. Who am I going to listen to? You know, uh, i got to listen to Hitch, but i am also got to please the guy coming in because he's the guy that's here next year and my job's on the line. So you're sort of going looking both ways, and, and, and it's a tough situation, but we're professional hockey players here. That's the bottom line. And the bottom line is here, and I'll argue with anybody there, there was a group of people in that room that quit on Hitch. And why did they quit on him? I've been in that position before. I've, I've sat in a locker room where I cannot stand the coach because the man's been so negative to me. And each coach uh, goes at a, a different player. Like how a guy talked to Jeremy Roenick or how a guy talked to me, there's a different atmosphere going there. You're going to find it with Mike. When Yo comes in here, whoever Hitch's favorite players were, that doesn't necessarily mean what Mr. Yo's going to like. He might like something totally different. Right. And he's a different type of hockey player. So... He's going to take a liking to maybe if Hitch likes Steiner or maybe he didn't like him, maybe Yo does. And maybe, you know, it might go vice versa. But when you're a coach, it's not that Hitch is much better than Yo or whatever. How you push the right buttons is what it all comes down to. And so when Yo goes in here, he's got to, he, first he's got to earn the respect. And so he's, he's had a half a year at least earn the respect of these guys. You know, he sat in those practice rooms. He sat in the meetings. He's voiced his opinion. So now do they respect him enough? That's going to be the big question. If they do. There's one button push, so now I got the guys following me. Now I got to lead them, and that's what your job is. You got to make sure that you have something fun to talk about, you know, a system that you want to play that they're going to buy into. Because if they buy into the system, that's half the battle right there, you know. So that, that's that's his big point right now. He's got to sell this thing to him, and 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 you got to sell it realistically to what I'm looking at. You got to sell it to Petro. You got to sell it to Steiner. You got to sell it to Tarasenko. Those are the ones you got to sell it to right now, and the rest should follow in line. Yeah, you know, and you're absolutely right on all of that. And just to backtrack to kind of answer your question a bit with the coach and waiting, it is a unique situation. And although, you know, here's the difference, or here's what I try to tell some people is on other teams I've played on and you have assistant coaches, you already know as a player, quite honestly, who the next coach is going to be. So you have a coach in waiting, although it's just not expressed, hey, here's the coach in waiting. So... Yeah, was there a bit of a distraction maybe at the start? And probably the biggest adjustment was for Yo and Hitch, not the players. Because, you know, you've got two guys here who are supposed to be alpha males leading the herd here. And which one's going to lead it and in what direction and what's their message? So I know that they both work very, very hard together to uh, be cohesive and to have the same opinions about things. But... Like Darren said, it's uh, you're never going to be exactly the same as anybody. So, you know, it's going to be a different message. There's going to be a different atmosphere. There's going to be a new energy that's pumped into the team. And let's not forget here, like Mike Yo's a young coach. He's won a Stanley Cup, you know, not as a head coach, but he was put in a different, a difficult situation that time as well because he came in under Michelle Terrian, and Terrian got fired halfway through the year. And Dan Bilesma comes in, and Mike Yo stays as, as an assistant coach. You talk about having to adapt, you know, and he did, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. So he comes here as a guy that is highly adaptable to the situation. Uh, he was a player. I know I played with him in junior, and he played uh, pro hockey in the IHL. He was a tough son of a bitch, I'll tell you that much. And so he's not going to accept guys not giving their best, and he's certainly not going to accept guys who don't stick up or pull for their teammates so you know what and he's a player former player that counts for a lot and you got steve thomas who's got 1200 plus games in the nhl and rick wilson now you've got a, a lineup of coaches back there where the players have no choice but to respect well it it would be totally illogical not to think that mike yo didn't sit there on the bench and i'm not going to use the term bite his tongue but you would have to believe he saw things going on that maybe he didn't agree with. Now, he strikes me as the kind of guy that wasn't going around saying, hey, I, this is, uh, there's no way that went on. I, I can promise you that. But my point is, is to think that he wasn't watching some things thinking this isn't working or I might do this differently, that's got to be the hopeful part of this, right? Does that, it, it, I mean, for Blues fans, is that he's had to have watched what's went on here and, and thought to himself, 
man, like like the big one right now, like a lot of people are wondering, will he play Stasny with Tarasenko? That's a big one that's coming up. Will he change, you know, will he make a change with some of the defensive players? Those are some of the big things coming up that Blues fans, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, have identified as issues. Well, look, Mike Yo, like we talked about, he's not a first-time coach. So, yeah, it guaranteed doesn't matter. Even if Darren and I are standing on a bench coaching a team together, there's going to be certain things that he does or he likes and I do that I like that are different. It's just the way it is. It's I call it everybody's got different flavors. And so uh, Yozy definitely has, you know, a different perspective on certain things. Um, you know, I, I think that he's had the luxury quite honestly of watching this for over half a season which most guys they don't they have to go right back to the drawing board and go okay what am i getting what am i inheriting how am i going to change this he already has a really good perspective on what he currently has so i don't think you're going to see a lot of tinkering with the systems right away and you may not even see a lot of tinkering with the actual structure of the team systematically for the rest of the year because it takes a long time to get that instilled and you need training camp preseason. But you will see some different line combinations. You will see an effort out there to uh, make sure that he's changing a few things, making sure that he holds guys accountable. I tell you this, the one thing that he admitted to me is that in Minnesota, he kind of lost the control, maybe not the control, he let some of the bigger stars have more of a voice than they needed to have. And they ran him out of town, basically. And it turned out to where they, the management felt that Yozy wasn't uh, in control of the team. And so I can tell you right now that the Steeners, the Petrangelos, the Tarasenkos, everything that they have in their lineup, those guys are going to have to bring it every night. Or he, I can tell you what, he's going to make a point in establishing the pecking order with him at the top of the heap. And there's one thing, Jamie, and you'll you'll know this as well as I know this. If you're an assistant coach in waiting, now here, Yo had a different situation because he was told he was going to be the coach in the year, so he had no reason to backstab Hitch. There's there's nothing going on there. He knows his army's already told him Hitch is probably they had the conversation. You're here in a year, let it go. So there's no backstabbing. But here's one thing that you'll always know when you sit in an NHL dressing room: the assistant coaches know more what's going on within the team than the coach does. Because all the troubles, except for maybe your elite couple players that are going to deal with the coach in a direct way, but all these other guys that sit there, like when I was there, I was getting skated, I was getting bag skated by a coach, and that I was talking to him all the time. The co- I wasn't talking to the coach. You know, I'm in Boston with Brian Sutter, and Tommy McVie was there. I spent more time. Ch- t- Tommy McVie was sort of the guy trying to motivate me to get going playing hockey. Because if I had problems, or if I didn't see something, if I didn't like what was going on, and not that I had much say anyway, but Tommy made you feel important. And that was an assistant coach. You take your problems to him, and if he's a good assistant coach, he would try to find a way to filter it. So when the coach would say to him. What the hell's wrong with Kimball? Why, why is he acting like that? Or what's going on in him? Why is he playing like that? Then Tommy, or at that point, Tommy could say, well, in his own way, because Tommy was pretty smart. He'd been around the block along. He would say, yeah, you know, this is what's going on if he did it the right way. And uh, But the coach, assistant coaches always sat there. That's who they always talk to, though, these players have. So yo has got a situation here where he's probably got a good grip of what's going on with this team. He knows what sort of pushes the buttons of some of these players. Um and that's a good thing going forward. So he's got the he's got what's going on in this dressing room. So now he's just got to find a way to take it to the get to the ice. Well, I always called it too the assistant coaches who do that and spend time with the guys. They're all it's like a mediator between two people who are having a legal problem, right? Because you have one point of view and you have another point of view, and sometimes they can be polar opposites of each other. And the assistant coach job uh, for that at that point, or the mediator, as I call it. He's got to take what the player's feeling and thinks and all this and buff it up or polish it up and convey it to the coach. And at the same time, then he's got to take the coach's message of what he's unhappy with and get it to the player without it being overly insulting to either party. And uh, that's why they're so important to have a good assistant coach that's a communicator and can you know keep these two parties, a coach and, and maybe player who's in the doghouse, keep them respecting each other and hopefully find a common ground and make that player better and have the coach realize what the player can do and you know and the last thing I'll, I'll touch on when we talk about yo and his coach and waiting stuff is Mike's an old school guy really old school you know uh, and there's no way he would disrespect and I know he didn't 
disrespect or talk about, and he would never even say anything negative about Hitch ever. And he had way too much respect for what Hitch has accomplished in his career and in his lifetime. And obviously the pecking order, right? Hitch is the veteran. He's the wily old coach. And you know, Mike had would have no reason to go around and talk bad about him because the players are not stupid. And if Mike goes around talking bad about Hitch, they're all going to mentally store it and go, yeah, you can't trust him. That's key right there. You know, you know, players sitting in that room when you're expressing, and you only you can only do it once. You only got to talk to a. We had a guy in Chicago. I did it to him, and he ran back and ratted ratted me out. And I was just trying to explain something to him, and it turned out to be a bad situation. And so then all other players they, they pick up on that pretty quick, and they go, "Well, you can't trust this guy." So he's had to establish a trust issue here. Uh, Yo has because he's been you know he, you you you're not your assistant coach. Sometimes these players are bringing their personal life to you. You know what's going on at home. You know what's troubling you? Why aren't why aren't? Because he'll come to you and ask you via the coach what's going on, and so he's got to go find answers out. So he'll go sit there like we all talk about with with Jake Allen. Maybe maybe Jake was talking to him, or that could have been Corsi. Who knows? But they got the kid at home. Maybe he was throwing that up to him. I don't know that. Um, but that but so he's established a, a trust here now. So he's sort of the he's been sort of like gone from the mother to the father here is basically what you're going you know in a, in a strange way. But that's what it's, it's going on, and. Uh, I'll, I'll let you get on, but th- there's a guy that I want to talk about here. Armstrong's got to be talked wow. about here. We've got to get to him, and uh, I think that's, uh, you know, I'll let Jamie finish up with uh, Yo here, but we've got to get to Army here, I think. Well, yeah, um, and just to, I guess, in conclusion with Yo is uh, he's got the opportunity now to get a head start, in my opinion, on next year. He's got the luxury of being here once again for half a season. And now instead of having to go through the offseason and training camp and all this other mumbo-jumbo, he's got a chance right now where they're not doing great. So the expectations aren't through the roof. And anything that he can do to improve this team to build it towards either playoffs, hopefully, or next season is a bonus because it's giving him extra time. And like Darren said, of other people to talk about here, you know, Jim Corsi got the axe as well, and he's a well-respected goalie guy. And uh, love it or not, he's one of the pioneers for the analytics that came in with his Corsi number, the whole you know mathematical equation of that. And I just think that with the way things have gone, and I don't know personally behind closed doors or on the ice how Jim was handling some of the goalie problems uh, this season. Uh, I just think that right now you identify that maybe the coach was being tuned out and then your goalies aren't playing at an all-star level. So the two choices would be the goalie coach and the head coach leave. And then you replace Jim Corsi with Ty Conklin, who had a successful NHL career. He was a journeyman, and as Darren and I both know, being journeymen, being role players on a team – you do have a great feel for what every guy has gone through because you've been the star at some point, not in the NHL maybe, but at least junior in college and whatnot, and now you're not a star and you're getting shipped around and you're getting kicked in the balls, and no better guy to tell you how to deal with that than a guy who's lived it. And then on the other side, the flip side, you've got Marty Brodeur, who's a Hall of Famer, who is arguably the best goalie ever to play in the NHL, and so now you get a perspective from the journeyman, and then you get the Hall of Famer and the tools that both of those guys have mentally and physically to pass on are invaluable. And I think you'll see a, a spike in the level of play of the goalies here. Uh, regardless of what Jim Corsi did right or wrong, I just think that that's a great combination. I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek. If Corsi with the analytics, I'm glad he's gone because I can't stand that. <laughs> well, so that's good. But, but get away from that for a second. So, so let's go to Army with this for a second. So Army... Uh, or did you have something? Well, I was going to talk about how they th- you're not you weren't just a tough guy. You obviously were a literary pioneer because that was foreshadowing. Because that's the next thing that our listeners want to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to make sure they check out bluesnhlpodcast.com. That's where we house the podcast. Uh, obviously, the new episode will be up there, and then you can catch up on some back ones. You can go back and say, you know, those guys were crazy, or oh my god, they were right. Whatever you want to do there. We love the information that you guys send us directly, whether it's a comment about the show or something you want to hear us talk about. Info at bluesnhlpodcast.com is the way you can reach us. Of course, contacting us through social media is very preferred, only because 
we feel like we get a good gauge on what's really going on out there. Twitter is such a great way for us to do that. At STL Blues Podcast is our Twitter handle. We would love for you to follow us. If you're a hockey fan, we're going to follow you back, I promise you. And, of course, if you just search for us on Facebook, Blues NHL Podcast, you're going to find find us. You know, we come to you from this great uh, studio brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. We encourage you to check them out as they have some fantastic podcasts on there. Uh, I know a lot of you guys out there are interested in more than blues. You will find something out there, I promise you. Um, and again, uh, our literary giant here, Kimball, uh, there's no doubt that the next question out of every fan's mouth right now is, okay, you've done that, but how does Armstrong get off here? I, well, you know what, though, but, and we're going to start here. So one thing I will respect Army for doing, though, he stood up there and he put his name on the line and said, I'm, I'm part of this problem. You know, I'm, I'm at the top of the ladder here. I'm part of this. So I will give him. He's not running from the situation. Here's the thing, and, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking at it from the outside just like the fans are looking from it. You know, Jamie gets a little closer in there because he's talking to these people on a regular basis, but I'm on the outside here. And I look, and so Barbashev comes up. He's the guy we call up out of the minors. And he's playing on the fourth line. Whether or not they move him up, who knows what happens with him. But I watch him play, and I, I think the Blues here, they got Army's going to really get – he's going to have to make his money here in the next little while, I believe. I think I don't think we're strong down in the minors. I think we've got a depleted farm team. I think you're looking at what you got. What you're seeing every night on TV is what you got. So uh, you always got to turn that around. What, what, but what's Army got to do here? Army Army created this. This is him and Hitch, basically. This is who they put on the table. This is what St. Louis fans are going to watch. And there's nothing coming up to save them. We got nothing there. You got the one kid that played in the World Juniors there that will come eventually, but that's it. You know, and you don't know much about him because he's got to get to the minors and go through that process yet. But you don't got much sitting there to, to back this nonsense up. So we got you got a team here now, and the Shattenkirk thing is going to keep com- coming up until the trade deadline goes by, but... Army sort of he's he's put this out there, so he has to live with this. So of course, if I'm a Blues fan sitting back, I'm gonna go. Well, we just got rid of that problem there. Now, if Yo doesn't start winning here, if this, this team doesn't turn it around, I'm not blaming him for it. I'm just saying if it doesn't start going in the right direction, our Army's Army's name's coming to the table, and people are gonna want his want him want him gone. Is what's gonna happen, and he's responsible for it. He's he's done amazing things in his career. You know, he's been at the top of the ladder, so he knows what's going on. But he's responsible for this Blues team, and that's him. He's, he's brought these people here, so it's on him. Well, I feel uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, and one thing I will say is, you know, everybody, including you, Kimby, are commending Army for, you know, putting the spotlight on himself and, and you know, owning it. And But quite honestly, guys, he had no choice because if he doesn't, say, oh, I'm part of this mess, as he called it, or I'm to blame for some of this, well, then people are going to be like, how does he not include himself? How does he get off scot-free? How dare he fire the coach and not take any responsibility? So in my opinion, Doug Armstrong had no choice but to say, hey, guys, some of this crap is on me. And so I do commend him for voicing it, but I think he had to for the fans and the media uh, and even for the players and anybody surrounding the team, I think they wanted to know, what do you think, Army? And at least he was honest about it. So, uh, you know, what Army's done here, though, is uh, he's painted himself into a corner a bit. We've got a lot of contracts that maybe were extended with high dollar values that I know this day and age you're trying to lock up your assets. You try to, uh, you know, make sure that you get the maximum amount of years out of your young players. But in saying that, sometimes, not just Army, the league gives out contracts that haven't been earned yet. It's based upon potential, which has never been the case in the past before the salary cap era. Now, that being said about the salary cap, the Blues are a cap team. I mean, they have very little wiggle room at all, which means how did we get to this point where we're struggling to get in the playoffs and we're a cap team? So where do we go wrong with that? And I think Army's going to have to do some homework and maybe another little look in the mirror and say, uh, this is a mess, this is a mess, and maybe I need to buy out a player or two or do something, put them on waivers and get rid of that money so that we can start bringing in guys who can contribute to the future. And the future, like you talked about, the youth down in the minors and, and juniors, slim pickings right now. And you know, and I will say this, the fa- for the fans who don't understand the way the American Hockey League works or they don't know exactly how it works with the Chicago Wolves as an affiliate, 
they are allowed 10 roster spots a year independently. That's half your team in the minors. And I can tell you from past experience, I played there at the end of my career or near the end. They bring in old guys like me, NHLers from the past, to get out there and take up ice time and to carry log the hard minutes and to play the big games. So, you know, for right now they've got a couple of D-men in the works and they've got a couple of forwards in the works, but usually you've got a pool of seven or eight kids that are going to compete for jobs every year, and they're not there right now. So I guess ultimately to kind of conclude my opinion of Army is he's got this Shattenkirk, not mess, situation sitting in front of him. He can choose to buy out another player and use some of that money to sign Shatty and eat up some of that cap space, or he has to trade him for multiple picks. Right now, a third-round pick is probably the highest you're going to get from somebody just because he's unrestricted and they don't know if they can retain him. But you got to look for you know two picks or a pick and a young prospect that you've watched in the minors that has a chance to make your hockey club the next year. Well, i got to ask you, so as we – as we as Blues fans look at this thing, and obviously there's disappointment. I mean, there's disappointment across the board, right? Can Blues fan right now handle trading Kevin Shattenkirk and not getting back something real and tangible? I, be, I Let's face it. What, what do we know? What we know is what we read, right? And everywhere we read, he's the number one target, they say, at the trade deadline. So if they get anything back short of a haul, Blues fans are not going to yeah, be Yeah, they're not going to get that, Crumbs. They're I not. Know. They're just not – think of this. You're trading now for an unrestricted free agent that you might get 20 games from. There's no guarantee you're locking them up. It's not the NBA where you can sign and trade a guy and they work cohesively in that. There's been situations where the Blues and other teams have tried that and then got screwed over and stuck with contracts that they're like, holy shit, we didn't want this contract, but now we're stuck with it because the other team bailed on the trade. So you got an unrestricted free agent – that's not going to bring you a premier player. He's just not. The, the, only, the only way it really comes out is if, if they're going to get something back is a team that's making a run for the Stanley Cup and they're going to try to throw in some uh, three or four young guys and you're going to give Shaddy and, and a couple other, maybe pro, like a seventh defenseman or... or, or, or but yeah, no, you're that. right. But that's the only way you're going to get something back. Yeah. Exa- to your point, yeah. you're not getting back their star forward. No, not at all. So. You're, you're, but that's, when the, that, that's the point where you're going to go, where you're going to give Shaddy and a, and a couple other players, then basically Army is telling you, we're building for the future now because we're going to get young guys, and that's where he's going to. That's the process. The, the fans got to realize something here. And St. Louis hockey, you listen around. I, I was listening yesterday on one hundred and one, uh, and I'm not going to say who I was listening, but I was listening, and I'm going, "Holy Christ, where are you coming from?" Do you like, now, I know the guy never put a pair of skates on his life. He's watched the game, and and God, there's been many of them out there. But he had head, didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, he's he's talking about Hitch doing this and it. I'm going, what the hell are you talking about? You know, the, basically the players have quit on the man. And I'm, I, I wasn't getting hitched out of the wall where it's part of his fault. But there was no, it was all, he was good, he was the golden egg, but they couldn't understand why they quit on him. And I'm going, really? You don't understand that? I said, look at the track record here. I said, the guy never stays more than five years or six years at a place. There's something that goes on with that. It's not, it's not a, just a freak of nature, you know? Well, that's the hard part with media, right? I mean, do the players get a free pass? I mean, do, no. do they some – no, 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 from media sometimes because they have to deal with these guys so they don't want to call them out. It's the old saying goes – what is the old saying that always is said, Chrome's in sports alone? It's easier to fire one guy than 20 guys. You can't do it that way. So that's why they get a little leeway to a st- an extent. Once Now, once the Blues of what they've done and they've told Hitch, you're going down the road, now it's on the player's onus. Cause so now Army's got to sit there and sit there, and he's got to try to save his own job right now, and he's got to say – What's working? What's not working? He's got to talk to Yo. What do you want? Who are your dogs? Where can we go from here? And how do we get to where we can get into the playoffs and maybe make one of these uh, miracle runs and to try to save this organization this year? Well, and I think Chrome's to expand on on your question too is, you know, St. Louis is a very forgiving media hockey town, meaning that <clears throat> sorry, our our beat writers and our media people they aren't negative. For the, they really aren't. They're very positive for the most part. They try to see the glass. The glass is half full. They try to do all these things, and it's it's it is substantially different. 
than Montreal and Toronto. And I can tell you, and so can Darren, that those areas for the media and even New York, the Rangers, uh, Ottawa, any Canadian city, really, they're going to be in your face if you're not playing well as a player. And they're going to be, why, you know, why are you not playing better? And the players will have to respond to that. Or they'll be called out in the paper, flat out, so-and-so, player X, is really not pulling his weight. And so we don't really see that here in St. Louis. And, yeah, the players do need to respond to that. I have never got offended by a reporter who flat out asked me, why are you playing terrible? Or why are you being traded? Or why are you being put on waivers? You know what? It's a fact. Let's talk about it. You know, I would get offended when they it was an opinion piece and they would just shed their opinion on it and, you know, fill in the blanks with whatever. That pissed me off. But if they had a real question, a real concern, and I was really right there in the situation, never bothered me to answer it. You know, the, the guy that does the Monday recap with me is a friend of yours and, and Darren's as well, Gary Henson, the head coach over at McKendry. I know he's worked with you at Synergy. And, Darren, I know you've coached with him before and done some stuff. He's a real smart hockey guy. You know, he's a good friend. You know, he and I do a lot of texting back and forth during Blues games. And I, I'm going to have to say that I'm in Kimball's camp here, that some of these guys quit on him. And you could DVR the game, and I know you do as well. And I just wonder sometimes why they didn't catch a little more of this flack because he and I were going back and forth the other night watching a couple of shifts that were blatantly dogged shifts. And I, I hate to say that, but they were dogged. And but the coach gets blamed for that. Right. Because, well, he's not holding them accountable. Right. He's not telling them. He's not doing this. So the players, yeah, they do get off scot-free sometimes. Yeah. Because ultimately, and can be, you know, ultimately it's the coach that not opens the door at that level, but lets you out the door to play. So if he says, no, screw you, you suck, or you're not listening, or you're not giving me what I need and sit here, then now he's establishing himself as the coach, and this is the way to do it in setting the boundaries. However, the Blues, unfortunately, are not deep enough in some of their positions to do that. And that's how this starts to leak in is you're kind of stuck because you got to keep playing these guys hoping that the next shift they're going to turn it around. I, I have a feeling that they're going to get into it. I have a feeling it's going to change because my option is a guy that probably can't play on another team in the NHL right now. And so, you know, what do you do at that point? I was, I was you know, going back, uh, I think when our – Pee Wee Quebec team was out in the ice that game. I, I went to the game and I was sitting up in the stands, up in the 300s, and we're looking down. And I'm looking, and the the play's going on, and I see Bortuzzo. He's playing defense, and he's out on the blue line in, in his own zone. And I'm going, what the hell's going on here? Because Hitchcock, he's basically, he, he don't play man-to-man. He never had unless he started doing that. And I looked over to the dad, and I go, I go, this here just shows me that he's lost this damn thing. And... When when you lose it as a coach, you see it all the time in sports. When you lose it, these guys just start going. It's like it's like they've never played the games before. It's it's you wonder how they even get drafted sometimes because they say, "How the hell did that happen?" Because I'm even watching the other night. There was a play. The goal was scored. Uh, Perry Aiko, he's he's back behind the bloody net waiting for a pass. The guy hasn't even got to the puck yet, and he's got a four checker on him, and he's he's over there pointing with a stick. Here, you go there. Then the other guy goes in. They got a two on one, and the puck jumps out and just passes out the yeah, lead to the most dare, most <laughs> yeah. dangerous player on the opposition. Crazy, I, I know. Tough one. Well, I mean, it's a you know the bottom line is is it, it's happened now. People been waiting for it. It's happened. It's time to move on, and I guess we'll see where we go from here. Time to giddy up, Chrome's. Yep. It's uh, but we got something really great happening tonight over at Scott Trade that I know you guys want to touch on. So, but before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we could not do the show without uh, some of our great sponsors here. Vincent Mortgage, uh, they, you know, they're good friends with Jamie and they know Darren and they wanted to be a part of this. They're such a fabric of the community, especially the sports. Anytime you hear a sports show, a lot of times you're going to hear about Vincent Mortgage. We want to remind you to make sure you give them an opportunity for your business. You can chat live with a loan officer at vincentmortgage.com. Get all the information you need instantly. Visit vincentmortgage.com. Just click that chat with a mortgage expert. You'll connect live and in real time to one of their professional loan officers. They can help you figure out the best way to reach your family's financial goals. Get qualified for a new home. Takes five minutes, guys. And, of course, if you still have some of those lingering holiday credit card bills, they can possibly help you skip two mortgage payments. Rates are on the rise. I would give them a call. Let's hear from them. As I like to like to say, let's hear from the experts. But, of course, if you want to learn more, just call 314-839-9999 or just visit vincentmortgage.com. But let's hear from them. 
Quit holding off on refinancing your home. You must do it right now. The rates are projected to rise in 2017, and at Vincent Mortgage, we have professional loan officers that can help you with your current financial situation. Don't miss this opportunity to save. Call today, 314-839-9999, or chat live at vincentmortgage.com. Come visit us at 12801 Flushing Meadows Drive, St. Louis, Missouri, 63131, NMLS number 225095. Awesome. Really appreciate them. Uh, Jamie, I know that Sean Vincent's a good friend of yours, and I know he wanted to be a part of this when you told him you guys were going to start doing this. So, uh, you know, they really are into the sports scene in St. Louis, no doubt about it. Great supporters, like we say almost every show, multiple sports teams in the area, multiple radio shows and charities. They are very proactive in making sure that they're a big part of the community in multiple ways. So, yeah, just a great bunch of guys. And and Sean Vincent uh, is a great guy as well. Really, really enjoy him as a friend. Uh, before we get to the St. Louis uh, Youth Hockey Report, uh, I know there's something, you know, we've been, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at this whole situation, right? We've got something great happening tonight, well-deserved, an absolute honor that all of St. Louis is c- kind of geared up for. I'm sure it's going to be just the roof blown off the place tonight, but Mr. Plager gets his number retired tonight. Probably not a more loved figure right now in the St. Louis Blues community than Mr. Plager. And I know both of you guys know him and have had uh, dealings with him over the years. And, I, you know, I guess this is kind of a new beginning, so maybe that's a good part of this. You kind of hate this is behind the scenes, but maybe that this riles everybody up and really makes it the event it should be. I, I don't know. I don't know how to look at that. No, I think it. it's great. Quite honestly, from a marketing standpoint, you couldn't do a better job because everybody's going to be jacked up to get in the building to see what the new head coach can do and how the team responds. And at the same time, everybody's excited about the Bobby Plager night, a guy that has long deserved to have his number in the rafters. And he's had it as, you know, everybody's best friend up there, Mr. St. Louis Blue. But now he gets to put his number up there forever and nobody else will wear a number five. And it's fitting that Barrett Jackman was the last guy to wear number five. He played a style of game that Bobby loved, and Bobby loved Barrett. So there was no like there was no time where Barrett shouldn't have been wearing number five. It was appropriate. You know, two great guys. I had the opportunity to play with Barrett. And so nobody talks about him in this, but he had a long career with the Blues and very accomplished. And then you got Bobby Plager, who has held down literally, I think, every single job in the organization <laughs> except for medical trainer and equipment guy. I mean, he's been coach, assistant coach, scout, director of scouting, coach in the minors, direct, uh, player development. This guy has done it all, and it's a treat for people who have ever met him in the bars because Bobby loves to hang out in the bars. doesn't drink anymore, or if he does, it's very, very little, but he tells joke after joke after joke after story after story and it's nonstop. like you put a quarter in and it's not like taxing either it's so much fun to listen to him go on and on and on and as a young player i remember being you know 18 years old here literally out of diapers pretty much and bobby come in the room and have a coffee and sit down with me and i'd be like holy shit you know like this is bobby plager and He's sitting here having a coffee with me and telling me great jokes and stories about years past and and things. And so for me, it's been a massive privilege to have known him since I was 18 years old and still to this day see him all the time. And I see him in the hockey rinks. He goes to see his grandkids play. And uh, he always, always, always has time for handshakes, discussions, pictures, autographs, you name it. Bobby Plager, quite honestly, it is Mr. St. Louis Blue, and I know, Kimby, you've known him a long time, too, and I'm sure you have just as good a relationship and some other stories, too. Yeah, and I can't I'll just say what Jamie just said. He's done everything for the Blues. He's been he's basically been their ambassador for the longest period of time here, and uh, you go into the rink, you see him. Uh, probably he might go down as one of the funniest guys in hockey because, like Jamie says, he's got story after story, and it, and it just keeps coming. And if you have any history in hockey and you know – like even some of the old players that he talks about, um, you can relate to because you've watched them yourself on TV. And then here's Bobby telling you a story about them, about what they've done off the ice, or you know, and and it's funny stuff. And you you you've lived kind of this lifestyle, and you know others great hockey players were doing that, and Bobby was participating in it, and the jokes they played. It was just he he belongs there for what he has done for this city, uh, for the St. Louis Blues, in, in personal along with what he's done with the St. Louis Blues, he he deserves to be up there. 
Well, and you know, one thing people who maybe don't know Bobby or younger people listening that don't know is Bobby is so humble. Like you ever bring up anything to do with him or even especially even the Jersey retirement, you know, yeah, well, lucky enough to have great teammates. I'm glad the Blues took a chance on me. It's never about, hey, look, it's me, Bobby Plager. You know, it's always deflecting it to other areas. Loves to talk about Barkley. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Bar- Barkley's not with us anymore. He loves to talk about Bill. He loves to talk about all his teammates, Noah Picard and Jimmy Roberts. And he just, like, he's always been the consummate team guy. And he was that way as a player, too. Like, you watch him play, and Bobby's not a big guy. If anybody's met him, you're like, oh, geez, he's kind of smaller than I thought he was. Tough as nails. Guy drops the gloves with John Ferguson back in the day, who is, you know, the Bob Probert of the era, and stands in there and throws knuckles with the guy, and he would do that on a nightly basis to stick up for his teammates. So Bobby's been the ultimate team guy as a player, as a coach, as an ambassador, and as a citizen of St. Louis. So this is an awesome night. Yeah, I think the Blues have done a good job of identifying guys that they want to be part of the organization to be also that fabric out in the community. He's obviously loved. Uh, I think the fans are going to blow the roof off the joint tonight. I think it's well-deserved. You know, obviously we've had a couple of these nights. You know, we had it with Federico, obviously with Hull, McKinnis, these guys. I think it's great. Uh, I'm happy about it. Uh, my short time that I worked for the Blues, he was there and around, and he was. He was a very, very great guy that you just really enjoyed just talking to. To your point, probably one of the most humble people I ever met. Um, it's just a great thing. I want to move over now to the St. Louis Youth Hockey Report. Uh, Each and every week we always talk about the fact that it's brought to you by the great uh, hockey company that Jamie runs uh, in conjunction with others. But Synergy Hockey is such a a name within the St. Louis Youth Hockey community. Uh, You're doing so many wonderful things. And I think what's neat is some people have finally kind of realized through a couple of the shows we've done recently, it's not just for those top-end guys. It's for the young guys that just want to be the best player they can be. It's for the young guys that are trying to figure it out. It's a great thing. I mean, you've got to be working. I I can't even imagine the number of kids you guys are working (laughs) with over there. Well, we're fortunate, certainly, that people are believing in, you know, the product that we have on the ice. But you're right. And what I try to tell people is, quite honestly, the lower end that your player is getting involved on this, you know, the more room they have for progression and development. And the sooner you can identify that they need to get some extra skill work or some extra work on whatever, uh, you have more of an opportunity then to, to grow as a hockey player. So, yeah, it's it's not just the high-end guys. We discuss those guys a lot because, yeah, they're the success stories of, of what we've had going on. But there's a lot of kids who are success stories that play from, uh, you know, rec hockey to make an A1 team, an A1 team to make a double-A team. You see these progressions throughout St. Louis in, in you know, every organization, and – it's great. So, yeah, we're, we're very proud of what we're doing. Uh, we love being in the rinks. We love dealing with all the people and the kids. So, you know, anybody who has any questions or wants to check up on anything we do, come out and watch us run a practice or, or whatever. They go to uh, SynergyHockeySkills.com. It has all of our schedule on there, spring, summer, all the camps, all the stuff we're going to do and lessons. So, Check it out. Uh, it's entertaining to look at some of the stuff on the website and certainly a good chance for people to find out maybe a little bit more. Well, interestingly enough, I know uh, we've talked at length on here about Darren and, and Lawson coming over there and doing some things. A good friend of Darren's and yours, who I know his son is involved, has asked to be a part of this as well and wanted to support the show. It's a gentleman that's obviously been friends with Darren, Scott Nelson. Nelson Land Services wants to be a part of the St. Louis Youth Hockey Report as well. We want to encourage everybody to go to nelsonlandservices.com. I know uh, when Darren introduced us to Scott as he wanted to be a part of the show, he's kind of been doing a lot of stuff down in the Ozark area, Lake of the Ozarks. He's moving into the St. Louis area. If you're listening down that way in, in the Lake of the Ozark area, you can contact him. Of course, you go to that website, though, nelsonlandservices.com, but you could give him a call down that way as well, 573-392-9993. But more importantly, obviously, he's a hockey fan, wanted to be part of the Blue Show. New to the St. Louis area as he tries to get going here, 636 244 Five six five one, and of course, you know I'm checking out his website here, guys. He does the stuff that I don't want to do, <laughs> or that I can't do at my house. I mean, everything. I was talking to you, Darren. Everything from just cutting grass, limbs, everything like that. But man, some of the stuff he's doing, landscaping with waterfalls and ponds, and 
turning your backyard into just phenomenal, just a great atmosphere. Uh, obviously, this guy knows what he's doing. You know what? He, and he uh, his kid plays on the same team as my kid right now, and uh, he he's busy all the time. We 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 just went down to Phoenix for uh, a weekend, and that's when that snowstorm, the ice storm. So he's out throwing salt. He's doing this to the Walmart. He's got it in with Walmart. They go do their parking lots, get the snow rid of the snow, and putting retaining walls up, cutting grass, doing all that kind of stuff. But uh, very reliable man. Uh, I've I've sat with him for two years here now, and. Uh, uh, he'll do a good job for you. I know that. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've known Scott for a couple of years now and, and had the privilege of working with uh, his kids out there on the ice with Synergy. But he's an old school guy, right? And when you do stuff like this, it's like you're landscaping, you're, you're contracting, your auto mechanics. You want them to be old school, honest, good, hardworking guys. And that's what Nelly is. He's an awesome guy, old school. He's not going to screw you on anything. And the, his company's going to do, I mean, just an awesome job to make sure you're happy. Well, we're happy to have him on board. We do appreciate him, and we would appreciate if you guys would check him out. Just you know, start off by going to nelsonlandservices.com, and if you want any more uh, information, his phone numbers are on there. Great pictures to show you kind of what he can do. We would appreciate it if you would support him and give him the opportunity. Uh, St. Louis Youth Report, I know one of the things we're going to lose Darren here for a couple weeks as you make your way to Quebec is – uh, Scott going to be going with you because there it sounds like there could be a couple of cocktails. Not losing them those. soon enough, though, unfortunately. <laughs> you know what? It was it was last night we had practice and uh, at uh, 8:15 we had a meeting and oh, meeting. Uh, well, no, <laughs> that sounds interesting. This is an actual meeting. Oh, okay, uh, meeting with a bucket and ice. <laughs> yeah, Wire was in there and, to, and Wire is John Wenzik. So he, John Wenzik, he's sort of the ambassador down there. He's been going there for 30 years. Uh, just a remarkable man. You know, he goes down there and. He's known, he knows all these old players who've helped run this tournament, and uh, he does great things for the St. Louis, uh, the AAA Blues organization. He gets us everything we want down there. So, uh, Wire was in there talking, and uh, you know, I don't know how old Wire is. He's, he's been he's about ten years older than I am, fifteen years older, but he's still got the the you know the fight inside him, and it's just it's just listening to him talk and the excitement that he's got in his body that he's going down to Quebec or going up to Quebec to. Uh, partake in this tournament and i uh, i believe he goes on the bench with our coaches and uh i, I just to see him the the his face was just lit up and this is how we're going to do it it was like an old school marching you know in the army you know boom 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 he's got it all dictated out him and his wife his wife does a great job with it she helps him out and so we're looking forward to this, this is going to be quite a, a journey going back to where i started my career and I know the Coliseum's there. It's right across the rink, so I'm hoping that we can get me into there so I can show my kid where I started playing my uh, the game of hockey at uh, at the pro level. So it, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting time. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, John Wensink, and he's been one of the pioneers of getting the the St. Louis teams to the Quebec Pee Wee tournament. And I tell you what, Kimby, what you may have heard but you haven't seen it yet is this guy is like royalty up in Quebec after all these years he he goes up there and every year the teams come back and go oh my god you should have seen G- what John went the people go nuts for John Wensink <laughs> and they roll out the red carpet and it's really awesome because to go up there you know blind or not being you know involved with those people where it could be difficult for a team especially from St. Louis going all the way up there but John does a phenomenal job, and he really, you know, he cares about the youth hockey. It's Some guys get into it because they have their kids and this and that. John didn't, and he's been involved for a long time, and he continues to be involved, and now he's got his grandkids that are, you know, up-and-coming little hockey players, and they're great kids, and they work hard. And, so, and he's just as passionate about that right now as he's ever been, but he's so passionate about this Quebec tournament. And Rhonda, who is his wife, she helps out a ton and, and probably just keeps him, you know, level because we all know that, that Johnny, you know, the name Wire, he obviously can he black out a little bit sometimes. And like you said, Kimby, he gets real intense and serious. And it's nice to see Rhonda there to kind of even it out a little bit. And then right after last night, we had the meeting with Wire. So we go into the lobby and the kids got their jackets that they're going to take up there. So they got the Pee Wee got their name on it and all that. And it was kind of funny because we got a kid on there, Vito Biondo, and it's Vito Biondo third. And I said, Vito, have you ever listened to a, uh, a French commentator do the game? And he goes, uh, no, why? I go, well, have you ever go watch? They go, they go the the third star of the game, meaning the third star. They, right. they call it third star. And I said, so Vito Biondo the turd. <laughs> he started laughing at me. You guys have to make sure that that's the way 
way he's hit on the program. So they call him that. That's worth the price of admission right there. Yeah. But I was, it was funny because my wife called up there uh, the other day. She was wanting some stuff from Quebec for the, if the, they have any stores up there. Sure. And they went through to a guy and, you know, the, the, the French was going on the part of you. But this guy, he could sort of speak the English, which most of them can. And he gets on there and she goes, well, my husband's going to be coming up there for this Pee Wee Quebec. And uh, my name's Melissa Kimball. And he goes, uh, stop. She goes, uh, no, Melissa Kimball. He goes, no, stop. Uh, is uh, do you know Darren Kimball? So, so <laughs> she <they> said, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. they saw a picture of her and didn't didn't think there was so, any yeah. way it was his wife. Said so Darren uh, Kimball, and he hung woman. up on her. <laughs> nah, he hung up on her. <laughs> he thought she did charity work. So I'm still knowing a little bit up there. <laughs> well, again, the the you know the, I know that for you two. For you two guys especially, I know that you love the St. Louis Youth Report. Obviously, you guys are knee-deep in it right now. Jamie, it's basically you know what you spend the majority well, of the time i got to say this on. before we end. Okay. Sorry, I yeah. forgot. No, no. I, and it. I never, ever have so far I've talked about really my team here that I coach, the Central States team. Right. We had a big weekend against the number one team in the country. Uh, we went one and two. Probably should have went two and one, but doesn't matter. But we had a big game on the Friday night and beat them 4 nothing, and the only team to shut them out in the last two years. So wow. uh, a little golf clap for my guys for putting together a good effort. A little. You know, and I, I, I was there at the rink when I watched this, and uh, the second game, actually, Ribs and them were up 2-1. And uh, when you look in, in hockey and you watch hockey here in St. Louis, as this is in Chicago, sometimes you just don't get the pick a referee. Sometimes, and then they. And <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> and they just they just tried to steal the show for some damn reason, and because it was a good hockey game going on, you know, you get those two one games. Ribs has got a big team. They're you know they're playing the physical part of the game, and then all of a sudden you got a couple local referees that just want to take the thing over and make it about them, which is kind of sad. But so he sort of gets juked on that one, and that's kind of sad. Where was this at? Uh, Hardy's Iceplex. Hardy's. Unfortunately, the the building that'll be leaving us. Soon, but is it really that soon? I, yeah. I saw that. They're supposed gonna... to be, you know, the, the deadline that they set, a uh, soft deadline, but a hard deadline as far as any hockey programming has gone is March 1st. Wow. So, yeah. you know, it's going to really stink for local hockey, but I guess this is a chance where we'll see the hockey family, hockey community come together because we just can't afford overall as development wise to lose kids playing hockey. Not the way we've, you know, picked up so much momentum with everything in the last two three years uh, this is a, a a time where we just can't lose that momentum so hopefully everybody will step it, up and hopefully we get a couple of rinks built here in a hurry yeah it's bad timing but in about two or three years uh the kids in st louis are going to have a couple new rinks hopefully to come to and it's going to help the area out immensely because it's another rink is going to be huge you know and uh, sure. so you know, we got to fight through it. They did it up in Fairview when that rink went down. And so hopefully the hockey community stays together and finds ice for all these guys to go through. Well, hitting on that too, uh, if people want to find out or help out or get informed, uh, obviously uh, the Blues have a project going on in Maryland Heights that they're looking to put together a four-sheet complex, hopefully within the next 12 to 14 months, which would be great. Yeah. Chesterfield Hockey Association and the city of Chesterfield are trying to put together a two-sheet complex out there. Uh, with Tom Kyman is you know, spearheading that. And if you want some information on that, go to chesterfieldhockey.com. And also Afton is looking to secure a two-sheet complex out there. So, you know, like Darren said, the growth of this could be uh, fantastic here in the next two to three years. We lose three sheets, but hopefully we're gaining you know, five more on yeah. top of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it, it, I would hate to see it go backwards because, I mean, obviously I lived through the time where it went from hardly any rinks to just growing, or, or a couple of them being outdoor, three of the rinks being basically outdoor rinks to just growing and growing. So you guys have been a big part of that growth, so hopefully that, that just continues. Um, before we go, there, we have to talk about where we go from here. Uh, for the fans, I think one of the things that they're looking for and that they've been on a little bit lately, and I don't know if it's justified or not, it'd probably be good for you guys to comment now. Everybody, you know, we've talked about Armstrong, we talked about the coaching. A lot of people are wanting to know, and I think some of it was being real comfortable with the captain we had here for a while, who obviously had that image of the, doing the tough things. Petrangelo's been a little quiet, as it would seem on the surface to us as fans. I felt like yesterday he did something that a captain should do if we're going to move forward. Somebody had said, uh, had, had approached him with something along the lines of, hey, we know Hitch was really hard to play for, and he just fired back with a, you're assuming that. Okay, I thought that was a great comment from a guy that could have taken the easy way out there 
But he basically said, hey, wait a minute. That was his way, I think, of saying, we got to be better. And no, he wasn't the whole problem here. So I took that as, for me, as a Blues fan, kind of like his first act as captain almost. Like, maybe we can move forward from here. Where do we go from here, guys? I mean, it's it's time. I mean, I think you've touched on it a little bit, but what should Blues fans expect to see? You know, I, I we have. We've talked about this whole show, what to expect going forward. You know, hopefully uh, Yo can get these guys going in the right direction, get them on the same page. I think they're on about four different pages right now, so if we can get all <laughs> on the same page, you know, go and, and then just studying that. And coming together as a team is the biggest thing that they can do at this point in time. The, th- the thing is, as me and you and, and Jamie are sitting here, we, we can we can, I can tell you all the answers in the world. You know, and actions are bigger than words at this point in time. They have to man up in that locker room. The Yo can come in there and do whatever. When he leaves that room, Steiner or someone has to stand up in that room and say, "Let's grow up here. Let's let's start doing what we're supposed to do. This is our livelihood. We're professionals. The fans expect that. Man up and let's go play the game of hockey here." Okay. Well, I got to ask you. So my point is, that's got to happen, right? I mean, now that, and I think you guys alluded to it, so as a fan, I, no matter what Yo does, when he leaves that room, the, you're right. The guys that have the A's, the guy with the C, or maybe it's a guy that's unspoken, they got to stand up and say, guys, n- it's on us now, right? Well, here's what, what you have happen is you got to have, first of all, an established leadership, right? And Petro's a leader by example. He, you know, He's a guy that I always say, he works hard. He practices hard. He works out. He lives his life the right way. He's a good citizen. All the things that you'd expect from, you know, your face of the franchise as a captain. Uh, obviously, Vladdy's the face of the franchise as far as superstars go. But in this day and age in the NHL, here's the risk you run. The younger you get and the more you make it important to stay young, the more you lose leadership. It just It's a fact. You cannot replace experience and that gritty old guy who's played in every situation. And unfortunately, the Blues cut ties with three, actually four, of their real gritty leaders. And it was Bacchus, Brower, Brian Elliott, who was a voice in that room and had been through a lot of crap in his career. And then, believe it or not, one of the most important pieces, Steve Ott. And you know what? Otter was a leader in that room, didn't have a letter, didn't even play every game. But he's a guy that had been through the ringer. He had been through some success, um, you know, long time in the NHL and wasn't afraid to call guys out. And you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be a captain to be an honest guy and to call guys out. All you have to do is be leading by example and live exactly what you preach. And I think that that's unfortunately where we're at here is the Blues haven't replaced some of that veteran leadership with other leaders that come in. Steiner, Shaddy, all these guys, they're not really that aggressive leader as far as a voice. And you don't need everybody to be that way, but you do need someone to step up. Yeah. So if, if, and what we're, we're, along with what Jamie's saying is though, if when Yo walks out of the dressing room, it better not be guys looking around and saying, uh, now what? Now what? <laughs> Who's going to talk? Because if that's the case, then Yo might as well just close the door to his office come out and prick a stall up and say, here, I'll lead you buggers down the road if you want me to. You know, if that's what I got to do, then I'll do it. Or he's probably, you know, he's got to go in and have some uh, confidential meetings here with some of the guys that he hopes can lead this team. Like I said, he's had a, a hand on this team for the last half of the year now. He knows what is who, probably who his leaders are. He knows who all these guys are. He's heard the stories. So then it's time to, you know, him to act and hopefully they follow. Well, just to touch on quickly before we conclude the show, because I know we're, we're right up on the edge here. Um, this should be an exciting time for Blues fans. Not because Hitch got fired. That's unfortunate and sad. But you know what? Now's the time where hopefully we see some energy. We got, you know, a new coach who's a young coach. We've got players that now have no more excuses. We've got Bobby Plager night happening tonight. This is a great time to be a Blues fan and get out and support the team and start to notice the small positives. Let's quit worrying about the negatives and all the bullshit that happened in the past. Let's start focusing on the positive steps forward. And I guarantee you, this team is going to move forward, whether it's today, tomorrow, next year, whatever. They're moving forward in the right direction. They will. So now's the time as fans and as people in St. Louis to get behind the team and start to push them in the right direction rather than hold them back. 
Well, I tell you, it's as a Blues fan, I'm ready to go. I mean, there's been some things that have been hovering over questions. I think, you know, whether you liked it or not, I think the Hitchcock question was always there. I think right now the next thing is the Shattenkirk thing. What's going to go on there once we move? Then, you know, it just feels like it's time to move forward. And I think, you know, to your point, the roof should be ready to blow off this joint tonight with the Plager retirement and, of course, the moving on. But uh, I hope uh, all of our fans out there, I hope they, the guys answered the questions as you wanted them. I know I got so much from people saying, hey, we really like to hear from these guys. They were in the locker room. They lived the life. They were in a lot of different situations. We'd love to get their thoughts because really for fans, we all speculate a lot, right? So when they hear from you guys, I think they get more of a sense of what's really going on. And there's some great guys in town that I'm sure have been relaying what's really happening versus what we think's happening. So that's what we try to do each and every week is bring you that perspective from a couple of guys that played the game and played the game in the city with the team that you love so much. So we do appreciate you guys and do want to remind you that you'll be able to find this show and any other show and anything you want to know about us at bluesnhlpodcast.com. We love your emails. Info at bluesnhlpodcast.com is where you'll find us there. Twitter, number one way for us to communicate with you as far as the quick hits and knowing what's going on, and that's at STL Blues Podcast. Again, if you follow us and you're a Blues fan or just a hockey fan in general, we are going to follow you back. Go to Facebook and find us, Blues NHL Podcast. And thanks once again to our great group here at lineupmedia.fm for handling us. I want to thank Vincent Mortgage. VincentMortgage.com is where you want to go there. Couldn't do the show without those guys. And our newest sponsor and friend of the show, Scott Nelson, with NelsonLandServices.com. Don't forget, they're just hitting the St. Louis market hot and heavy. We'd love for you to give them a call, 636-244-5651. Tell them Kimby sent you, or Tatanka, as uh, Jamie likes to call him. I think if you call and say, Tatanka sent me, I think Scott will know who that is, right, Darren? Oh, Buffalo Head. Buffalo Head, that'd be good. Well, hey, guys, from the Blues NHL Podcast, I'm your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. For Jamie and Darren and our producer, Brian, uh, I guess we'll see you on Monday. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.